All right, welcome back to the big program. Eight o'clock, Curious Steel on Sports 1440. Time to bring in our daily guest at eight o'clock on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. Good morning, Spec. What's going on, boys? How's the morning going for it's you? It's going fantastic. Just great. One of the best mornings ever. How about you? <laughs> oh, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you that. You're awake and alive. Yeah. What'd you make of the game last night, Spec? Well, more of the same. You know, big, fat, glaring errors that cost you goals. And uh, this team used to be able to get to four or five, no problem. And right now they're not. Giving up too many goals. There's three teams in the league that are giving up four goals a night. The orders are one of them. And uh, last night was just another night of uh, pretty good hockey for most of it. But, you know, giant errors by different guys that cost you goals, and that's why you lose. Glaring. Glaring errors. I mean, you got the Cody CC ill-advised pinch on the, on the first goal. Philip Broberg didn't get the puck in deep, and then a bad change on the second goal. And... <laughs> They didn't have a lot of luck either last night. A couple of posts on that same power play by Evan Bouchard. That might have turned the game. It's 2-2 at that point if one of those goes in. Having said that, still, they're giving up way too many goals, as you mentioned, Spec. And there isn't. it doesn't seem like there's that opportunity here to turn that around just yet. And I think that's the most concerning thing is they can't find that answer to turn things around defensively to stop that, you know, that gusher of goals every night, every night. Yeah, and it's the it's not just the defense men either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's everybody. Uh, it's it's you know, yeah. Berber makes a nice play to get the puck out of his zone, get to the center ice, and he I don't know if he fans on the chip in or what yeah. it does, but he doesn't pay you know enough attention to the to an easy dump in. It doesn't get doesn't get past the defenseman. But Dylan Holloway looks at the whole thing unfold and says, "Ah, this is a good time for a change." You know, obviously you're changing. The guy's dumping it in. It's time for a change. But you have to have the care and attention to make sure it gets dumped in. And when it doesn't get dumped in, you got to be able to change and say, whoa, whoa, hang on. It's not time to go off the ice. We've My my teammate made a mistake, and I have to be here to back him up for it. And nobody backed Broberg up. It's a three-on-one going the other way, and it's a goal. So, you know, if you look at the, the last goal, McDavid stops skating through the neutral mm-hmm. zone. Just stop skating. Now it's a three-on-two. Oh, now he can't catch up. And then, of course, it's Bouchard in the end that we watch as he watches a player skate right past him, Rupe Hintz, go to the net, score an easy goal, and Bouchard's got yeah. the best seat in the house. So on, on that it's goal, not just the defense. No. It's them, but it's everybody else too. Yeah, it's not just the defense. But on that goal, we talked about it off the top. Bouchard makes one too many cross cuts, skating backwards, yes. takes him to the boards, yes. takes him out of the play, himself out of the play. Yeah, what's he doing at the boards? Exactly. Stay in the middle of the ice. There's yeah. no danger at the boards. Yeah. You're exactly right. He he does too many crossovers. He gets too far out, and then he coasts back without moving his feet. So, listen, Evan Bouchard's got four even strength points this year in nine games. That's good. He's got five power play points. He's a point-of-game guy. Great. He's minus six, right? You can't play a, a defenseman that many minutes. He's minus six. It's time for Evan Bouchard to figure out that he's a defenseman mm-hmm. and to defend. Mm -hmm. because he's not defending at all. And they won't get out of this trading chances. And that's what Evan Bouchard's doing every night. He says, I'll get my power play points. I'll give him up one extra one on even strength. 
And he's just another reason why this team's got such a poor record. Speck, we talked about the transition D and how it's been um, fairly uh, Swiss cheesy all year. Uh, and average teams, in my eye, are looking like offensive assassins against the Oilers D, just moving the puck around sharp, uh, just tic-tac-toe, good finishes, things that we're accustomed to seeing out of this Oilers team. Uh, so it's nice to see Sammy come in, have the success that he had yesterday. Great feel good, two goals. But as Kevin and I were talking about, where did he score those goals? In front, yeah. in the blue. Not enough guys are getting into those areas. Too many cruisers around out there still. What, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. Too much perimeter play, too many cruisers, too many flybys. Uh, Sam Gagne was exactly the you know example mm-hmm. Of whatever he'll be all over the orders video board today when that team is watching when Woodcroft puts his video together because that's what you need when it's you listen the power play is not going very good uh, the the big the skill the top guys who you know always get their cookies it's not going in for them you do what every team does you jam the net you go hard you score ugly goals till you get out of this thing you know the orders don't look like that offensive juggernaut, but it doesn't mean you can't score goals. And Sam Gagne's game last night was the perfect example. He went hard to the net. He wouldn't be denied. He scored mm-hmm. from dirty areas. He pressed the defenses, the defense of Dallas and made him work. They need about 15 more guys doing that. Mark Spector is powered by Booster Juice on Sports 1440. Every morning at 8 o'clock, carry a steal with you. On a Friday, Speck, we saw Connor Brown go down in the second period, did not return. Boy, this is going to turn into a lot of, uh, what can you say, fans wondering what's going to happen with the 10th game here because he's played nine. We all know the situation. What do you think happens here in the next 24, 48 hours? And even if he doesn't go on long-term injury, what do the Oilers have to do roster-wise to kind of make themselves whole? Well, there. You know what? This whole thing—it's just another part of the sequence. It hasn't worked for Edmonton. They, they went in the season with 21 guys, and I get it—a bunch of teams did. It's that's just how it is when you're capped out. But this 11-7 thing's not working for them. The defense is is a mess right now. They need to get down to three pairs and let these guys get a little continuity. This seven defenseman thing. Broberg played five and a half minutes last night. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, it's not helping him any, right? He's a young kid playing five minutes. He makes one mistake. You know, nobody backs him up and he's on the bench. And we go, man, that kid's not playing well. He's playing five minutes, right? He doesn't have a chance to play well. So you think he goes down? Thing. Uh, he might have to. Yeah. He should go down because he needs to play. If, that, if this is what we're doing here, if we're going to play seven defensemen and go back to playing Broberg five minutes, I'd send him down for sure and let the kid play. Uh, Holloway's not getting anywhere in my eyes. He's the same player he was when the season started. Uh, he's a forward. You got to keep him. So let's keep playing him here. But uh, I don't see a much growth uh, through the first nine games. They got to get a forward in here now. So I think that forward has to be Lavoie. He's their best guy in the farm. Uh, depending on the injury, right? Depending on the injury to Connor Brown, we don't know what it is. It might be a tweak. He might play tomorrow. Uh, but sure, they got to do some things here. And this whole 11-7 thing we started the season with, how's it working for you, Kev? Not very well. In the least bit. (laughs) 
So uh, what I'm liking right now is Evander Kane's game. He's uh, he's really trying to pull this team along, bring him on his back. You look at Connor and Leon. I mean, I got the numbers in front of me. Leon, zero goals last five games, six total points. Connor, one goal the last five games, six total points as well. Uh, those guys, in my opinion, they got to get this going for those guys because uh, we know Connor's banged up. You probably know a lot better than I would know. But they need their horses to be their horses if they're going to go anywhere. Yeah, you're built as a team for those two guys to, you know, be good players and, and be very productive. And uh, something's up with McDavid. Has has to be all year. His, he's missing, you know, he's missing a gear for sure. So I don't know what it is with McDavid. And I have not heard anyone who says they do know. But we've watched Connor McDavid play enough hockey to know that he's uh, not the same guy here. Uh, as for Leon Dreisaitl, he's – I'm not sure what's happening there, Kev. You mm-hmm. you tell me. The looks – you know, when I see a player who's getting his looks, when I see a player who's who's getting his chances and in position to score, uh, it's just he's missing nets. He's he's missing one-timers that have usually been uh, money for him. I was just going to so, say, in the third period, Spec, if you remember, so it's 4-3, you got a couple minutes left. Leon had a one-timer. And he was wide by probably three or four feet. And he fanned on it. He barely got anything on it. He didn't get anything on the puck. I thought he, I thought he got a little more on it than a fan. I thought he just sort of tugged okay. it. I thought he tugged it hard right, just pulled it hard right. But that's uncommon for him. Normally those shots are yeah. getting on net at least. Having said that, it was a hard pass coming over. It was, and it wasn't. Uh, it was a different diagonal pass for him than maybe a normal one timer where he is in that position. But I felt that, and you yeah. could see, you could see the look in, of him just kind of going, "Man, what am I doing?" Like normally, well, those aren't aren't gimmies for me. He's going, but I'm putting a better shot on net than what I just did there. Well, you know, I look at a guy like Leon on two ways. This guy's been so productive. He's a 50-goal, 100-point man every year. So on one hand, I say, look, it's time for someone else to carry this team. He's allowed a slump, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's certainly been an absolutely productive guy. Then the playoffs come and he scores even more. But on the other side of it, you say, okay, we need you now. And on the other side of it, you say, that's a puck. I get it. That's It's never easy to score a goal in the NHL, especially a cross-ice one-timer. But he scores that goal 30 times a year. Mm-hmm. And they need that goal now from Leon, right? They need that goal. He had a he had a few looks on it last night and didn't score on any of them, and they lose by one goal. So, you know, you're never going to hear me come out and, and and criticize Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl for a lack of production because they produce better than anybody in the National Hockey League. But they need these guys now. I'm going to tell you that. They could sure use Connor McDavid to turn back into Connor, and they could sure use Leon to find that one-timer because, again, this team's offense is built – you know, to get those 40 or 50 goals from Leon. And uh, they could have used one of them last night, big time. And, and we touched on it, Spec, the fact that Connor's not right. And he never took a face-off last night. We saw Leon Dreisettle take a ton of face-offs. And then we saw opportunities where maybe Leon was thrown out and Connor didn't take a face-off. So they're trying to protect yeah. him. If that's his side, if he's coming around trying to take a face-off and putting some pressure on his right side I guess if you want to call it that you know they're trying to shelter him there's no question about that you can see it so he's not at 100% Leon's fighting it a little bit but when that happens other guys have to pick it up 
And we haven't seen that until last night with Sam Gagne. So I, I look at this. This well, is I, on. I think, Go ahead, Speck. I think the way, you, you know, when your top two offensive guys are are having struggles or injured or whatever it is, the way, you know, you're not going to say, don't worry, we'll come up with another Leon and Connor and they'll mm-hmm. do the scoring, right? It's not how it works. Those are your best two guys offensively. They're your producers. So I don't mind a team that can score three goals. You got to hold the other team to two once in a while. Yeah. That's what's killing this team. It's not, you know, offensively, sure, you like more goals. You like that game in Nashville where they score six and run and win running away. But if if your big boys aren't scoring and right now they're having a bit of a struggle, you got to keep it out of your net. And as a team, defensively it i don't care how well they play and if they get out of this thing and they go to the playoffs and all that stuff you don't play better defensively than this you're not getting through around a playoffs <laughs> their their defensive game is awful yeah text it's coming into one eight good enough text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty from seuss can you ask spec if he thinks jay is on the hot seat yet um i don't know if he's on the hot seat I don't either. Ken, Ken Holland fired his first coach mid-season in 25 years, two years ago. You know, I'll tell you what, Jay's. I mean, Jay's been dealt a tough hand. His top, his top guys hurt. He's mm-hmm. got 11-7 roster. Uh, you know what? Everyone in the city saw last night. He had one guy that was going hot, Sam Gagne, and he was on the bench the last two, the last big shift of that game with the goalie pulled. He couldn't get Gagne on the bench on the ice. And uh, that's a coaching, you know, miscue in some to some degree. I don't know if Sam just came off. I know they had a long stretch. Well, Sometimes it happens, but on the six on five, so the guy that's coming off is Hyman because Kane is going well. So the end, the other guy is coming off is Hyman. So are you making that change at that point? Uh, are you kidding? He's my yeah. only hot guy in the game. He's got okay. two goals. Absolutely. And, and I was right. going to say that. My question is, and I haven't looked back, did did the whistle blow and Gagne just had a 45-second shift and they took him off and they couldn't get him back on? Sometimes that happens, and I need to know that before I'm going to criticize the coach. But uh, you guys, listen, the Oilers need to go with a hot hand. They don't have any. Gagne is the hot hand last night. Are you telling me you don't have in on the last minute and a half? I think you do. So – you know what, Woodcroft? Woodcroft's in charge of driving the F one here. If this, <laughs> if this car's chugging around the track and it's not, it's not, uh, you know, running properly, he's the guy that gets paid to get it running properly. And <laughs> so far, they're two sticks and one. So you tell me if he's on the hot seat. Everybody's on the hot seat at this point. No, nobody's absolved from this right now. Two six and one heading yep. into tomorrow's game against Nashville. Well, we'll see what happens at the game. One o'clock start tomorrow. It's a big weekend, Speck, yeah. for you. You could be at Golden Bears Hockey tonight. You could be at the game tomorrow at 1. Write a quick piece. Head over to Bears football, then Bears hockey tomorrow night. What do you think? <laughs> Are you doing all that? I know I know Cam Moon's doing all that stuff. Yeah, I know Cam Moon is doing it with uh, Tyler Hupka. <laughs> um, I will be doing a good portion of it. We'll see what happens. Speck, thanks hey, for listen, this. It's, it's awesome to see the Golden Bears football game getting a, a playoff game here. It's been mm-hmm, so long. Mm-hmm. Chris Morris has done work so hard at it. Good for him. Golden Bears hockey is the best. Uh, it's the best hockey in town for your buck by a country It is. Mile. It is. Thanks for doing this, Speck. Have a wonderful weekend. Maybe you'll get out to the to the Ponderosa as well. 
You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Got a hockey game tomorrow. We'll figure it all out, pal. Thanks, Peck. Appreciate it. All right, Spec. That was uh, on the mark. Energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, Tyler Yaremchuk from Oilers Nation will guest with us on Sports 14. It's the Kevin Carrier Show with co-host Eddie Steele on a Friday morning. Stay with us. More coming up after the break. Oh, yeah, the Duke comes back with the Culture Club as he does every. Friday morning on Playlist Friday. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in Tyler Uremchuk from Oilers Nation. Tyler, you're with uh, Kevin Carries, Eddie Steele. Good morning. Thanks for taking time out of your one of your 8,427 podcasts that you do a day. 8,428, Kevin. Oh, I'm off. I was off a little bit. <laughs> Get it right. Like, where do you find the time, big guy? Oh, man, some days I don't even know, but uh, I love it. That's what the Nation Network's all about. Well, for sure, it is, and there's no question about that. You guys are busy talking about uh, many things, most importantly, Oilers, and uh, most prominently, Oilers, of course. So how do you break down last night's version of a 4-3 loss to go to 2-6-1 and one on the year? Uh, I tweeted it last night, and this is going to sound like a dumb Homer thing, but Kevin, they are painfully unlucky. They dominated that hockey mm-hmm. game, and you can go back through the season. They dominated that game against Winnipeg, and they dominated that first home game against Vancouver, and a big part of it's goaltending as well, but a big part of it's luck. Like You go through the goals that Dallas scored yesterday, and it just feels like every mistake the Oilers are making is winding up in the back of the net. And on the flip side, they need to generate 12 high-quality scoring chances to get one to finally trickle into the net. Like, those two Gagne goals, I mean, one, I think a lot of guys in this team can learn something from that. Go to the net with just your head down and good things will happen. But also, like, those came on the heels of long-sustained runs of pressure and then finally the puck would trickle over the goal line. They're just fighting bad luck right now, and it's frustrating because it's early in the season, so the record stinks, but things will turn around. Tyler Yermchuk from Oilers Nations, our guest on Sports 1440. Let's play devil's advocate. Every time the Oilers make an egregious error, it ends up in the back of their net. So the key is to stop making glaring mistakes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a part of it. I mean, you look at yesterday, I think that first goal was probably the one that frustrated me the most. It was a really, really poor decision by Cody Cece to make a pinch at the blue line, and he hesitated. I mean, you can go back to peewee hockey. They always say, if if you're going to hesitate, don't pinch, right? Just go right back. Always play it safe. Cece hesitates, makes a bad pinch, and then Stuart Skinner should probably stop that puck. I know it's a two-on-one, but... Come on, it was a shot on the ice, and Duchesne missed his spot. He was trying to go five-hole, put it about a foot more to the left, I guess it was, and it squeaks under Skinner's pad. So a bad break there. Philip Broberg makes a bad decision to change in the second period. That cost them a goal, and, I mean, also, I guess, credit to Dallas because their stars were, no pun intended, their stars were really, really good last night. That top line dominated, but the Oilers do need to cut the mistakes out of their out of their game to some extent, but also... Again, it feels lame saying it. I'm aware of that. But the Oilers also need a bit, some more big saves at some point. Mm-hmm. Like their high danger save percentage at five on five is 692. There's no other team in the NHL, in the whole league, 
that is below a 700 high dangerous save percentage. They need more big stops. Even that first goal, Tyler, I mean, it's a two-on-one, yes, but it's not a great, great shot. It's an okay shot. It's maybe a save that if Stuart Skinner makes on that, now you're still level and you take it from there. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, to take it one step further, just with the high danger save percentage number, like, again, the Oilers are below 700 at 5-on-5. There's only seven other teams in the league who are below an 800. Like, it's it's unbelievable how poor their goaltending's been when it comes to bailing them out in big moments. And I know, again, the pinch from CC was bad. The decision from Broberg was bad. I get that, and I get that the Oilers have made mistakes. But, I mean, watch the game. Dallas made a lot of mistakes last night, too. The goalie just bailed them out 47 times. It was Scott freaking Wedgwood. Tyler, over the past four or five years, uh, the Oilers, they've had a historically good power play, a power play that has been uh, a bread and butter for so much of the success, and a PK that has been you know, pretty adequate as well. But this year, both of them, I don't want to say have fallen off a cliff, but they are not nearly up to the standard that we're used to seeing. What's your, what's your thoughts there? What are you seeing there? Yeah, the power play is really interesting because one thing they were always so good at last year is just attacking attacking the opposition in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different ways, right? Like if that dry sidle play on the back door wasn't open, then boom, McDavid and dry sidle, even Nuge, they'd start getting in motion at the top of the zone. They would start putting penalty killers in spots where they just weren't doing a whole heck of a lot, and they'd find another way to get through. And right now, they're just not finding a different way to get through. It feels like the only two ways they're generating chances are either the dry settle play when it's open or an Evan Bouchard one-timer. And, like, that's more or less it. Teams are adjusting and adapting, as NHL-caliber teams will do. And the Oilers just haven't found a way to get creative yet. I honestly think a part of it is Connor McDavid's health. I'm watching him. Like, the Heritage Classic, he looked good. He was skating well. But before his injury, he was not moving like Connor McDavid. And even last night, that didn't look like vintage Connor McDavid. He was slow, turned over a couple of pucks on the power play. I think part of it might be 97's health. Like he's, he's the engine of that power play. Tyler Yamtrick from Sports 14, on Sports 1440 from uh, Oilers Nation joins us on Carries and Steel on a Friday morning. Uh, so, Tyler, it was a little different on rotational forwards last night where normally – McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins will swing into the fourth line, the last two forwards on the fourth line. It was different last night because Kane, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman started the game well, uh, didn't play, finished the game well, except for Kane, in my opinion. But guys went into that top rotation with McDavid and Dreisaitl. You saw... Hyman for a shift. You saw Fogel for several shifts. You saw Connor Brown several shifts. Dylan Holloway moved up there. McLeod had a couple of shifts as well. What do you make of the dynamic of what's going on here? And now with Connor Brown's situation, where do they go here with 11-7, 6-12, personnel? What's going to happen in the next little bit, you think? Yeah, so last night they had eight different combinations of forwards play at least a minute together at five-on-five. So the blender was out in full effect for Jay Woodcroft and the Oilers. You compare that to Dallas. Dallas just had their four lines, and they didn't have any other combinations play together in the game. Um, I mean, the Connor Brown thing you mentioned at the end, they are big-time screwed if he's 
banged up enough where he can't play but can't go on LTIR because they don't have enough cap space to recall anybody. So you have to sit there and then go, it would be, well, you could maybe wait or send Broberg down to the American League, bring someone up and go 11-6 and six in your next game if it's worst-case scenario. So that's also not good. Um, but to answer your question about the strategy of, basically having a bottom six and then a top five that you rotate someone into, I'm actually generally kind of a fan of it. Uh, I think that's the best way to get some of these guys who are struggling to score going. And in the bottom six, like the Oilers, now that Adam Ernie granted has been sent down, they don't have a lot of scrubs. These are all guys with good hands, with good offensive hockey IQ. So you can, you can sit there and cycle those guys in. Like Connor Brown looked good playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. Sam Gagne looked good when you put him up there with Evander Kane for a few shifts. So I like the approach of having your top five and just popping guys up there for little short bursts, putting them in spots to succeed. I think it can work. Tyler, I know you got to be out of here at the bottom of the hour to do another one of those 8,478 uh, podcasts that you do. Have a great weekend. What's going on? Are you doing anything in particular that you're looking forward to this weekend? Hey, double header for the University of Alberta Golden Bears out of Claire Drake Arena. I'll be on the call Friday and okay. Saturday night down at the Drake. It's really good hockey if people haven't been out yet this year. And the Golden Bears, after a slow start, they've really turned it around. I'm going to see you down there tonight. Perfect. I'll see you there. Kevin. Do you want me on the first period intermission or what? I don't have a color guy, so if you're free, you can come to the <laughs> Well, um, I could do that. Do you have two beer holders for the from the Big Rock products that I, I purchase on the way in? Is there two holders in yeah, there can, for me? I can give you one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. Have a good call tonight and tomorrow. Thanks, Kevin. That's Tyler Yaremchuk, Oilers Nation, the Puck Report, brought to you by... Fountain Tire, and remember, head to FountainTire.com to check out your winter tire lineup situation. And once again, the seasonal tire storage situation once you get your winter tires put on. Duke, have we, we're still, are we still talking about this with you? Who was that texting in last week and it said, the Duke hasn't taken care of his winter tires? Uh, I think it might have been imitation Tom, yeah. maybe. He uh, was just very concerned of your safety. Because I was saying uh, how I'm not a two sets of tires guy. I just roll with the one. And he was suggesting all weather over all season. But I still haven't uh, haven't done too much digging yet. Uh, thankfully, we have our good friends Fountain Tire here to uh, come in and probably save the day as I leave it till too late to get them swapped over and get some new rubber on. And they make a difference, Dookie. Yeah. They make a difference. Do you take the back roads to go to CFR? How would you take the, like, let's just talk about your route going to CFR tonight. Uh, It'll it'll be straight down the the QE2 tonight just for simplicity's sake. I'm hoping to try and get out early enough to beat the biggest rush of traffic out of the city on a Friday afternoon. But um, I'm not against, like, I was at the Leduc Canadian Brew House for Thursday Night Football a couple weeks ago, and I'm over on the west side of the city now, so I took um, the Devon Highway down to uh, the west entrance of Leduc instead. I, and like when I was living in Fort, I always took Highway 21 back down to Delburn. I like to mix it up because Highway 2, Laddie talks about this all the time, like yeah. not much to see on Highway 2, but if you take some of these secondary highways, you get a little more um, of a scenic route. Although with winter now uh, right around the corner, if not upon us, the scenery kind of tends to diminish a little bit as it's just snow. I thought you'd be a big grid road guy. No, those are reserved for on the way from Delburn back to the farm uh, because that's the only option. Eddie, do you go on the grids a lot? Oh, I'm on the grids. Yeah, I was telling like, Duke this morning, actually. I was down in his neck of the woods yesterday. I was down in the Stetler and Alex mm-hmm. area doing some work. And yeah, we were uh, talking about the beautiful countryside. <laughs> I, I had a buddy back home 
he would always take the grids with his wife going to the bar in a small little town. He would take these grids and go around and weave around. It was only about a 10-mile drive, but he turned it into about a 40-mile drive only because he thought his wife would think that's how you get to the bar on these grid roads. So when he would go by himself, he would have more time to Play hang the out. System. You know, Play to the hang system. out on those roads, man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to hook up. Not hook up. I guess we're not. Uh, we got to find that text too because mm-hmm. I always say hook up and the texter was telling Duke to tell Kevin not to say hook up because it means something else it nowadays. It means a little something Well, I'm else. talking about on the, re, you know, on the phone line and uh, things like know, that. You know, but people hear it and they just they perceive things. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a tough Friday, man. It's tough. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll check in with Tim Ellis at the top of the hour. But before that, we're going to go back to earlier in this week when we had Playbook Vic on texting in about the NFL trade deadline. Playbook Vic, are you ready to rock and roll with Eddie Steele right after the break? Stay with us. More on the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele on Sports 1440. Stay with us. I do, I do. It's uh, another one of my cardio go-tos. Yeah. To me, it's kind of a slower... Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it's just something that once I get once I get going and the sweat's flowing and, and the the music really starts to drop, I, I just I lose myself. <laughs> so NFL trade deadline was on Halloween on the 31st. We've had, we have a texter named Victor, so he was texting quite a bit, and we were talking about why there aren't any trades on NFL trade deadline day compared to the NHL and things like that. So Victor sent a text in at 728. I'm just checking the thread here. NFL trades during the season are hard because of the amount of knowledge needed for playbooks. Hard to go to a new team and learn the entire new system and playbook in one week. Now, we had a conversation as it went on. Uh, Victor said, ask Eddie about this question on Friday. At the end of the day, great show today, KK and Duke. Have a happy Halloween. Cheers. Then he changed his name to Playbook Vic. Ah, uh, Playbook Vic. Playbook. Uh, that's who I thought it was. Playbook Vic. So pretty cool on that sense. So Playbook Vic. Now Eddie has the opportunity. Are we having some mic problems, dude? Might be having a little bit of technical difficulties. Yeah, I think we uh, are having some technical difficulties in the studio at the moment. But I think everyone's just coming through on Eddie, so I'm just going to get you shift over to that other mic there, Kev. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't be I wasn't able to pick you up either, Kev. This one wor- is this one working? Yeah. How's it now, Duke? Okay. I'm uh, my headphones aren't reading anything, but Eddie's saying you're yeah, good. Yeah, we're to go, good. So well. Maybe I'll have to start again. So Playbook Vic changed his name from Victor to Playbook Vic, which was I thought was totally cool. So Playbook Vic comes in and saying it was hard about teams trading for players because they have to learn the playbook. And then he said, ask Eddie, ask Eddie about this. When Eddie comes in on Friday, you got to ask him about this. <laughs> then we had Shereen Williams in, and she gave her perspective on things. So, Eddie, my question to you on a Friday after NFL trade deadline – why are there not as many trades in the NFL? And there were quite a couple. There were a couple good ones this year yep. compared to maybe other leagues like the NHL. 
Well, Coach Vic, I love you. I do. Uh, but uh, I'm going to have to agree with Shireen. One of the big reasons why, especially now with the longer season in the NFL, that the, the tr- with the trade deadline where it is, a lot of teams, as she mentioned, are in it still. Uh, so they're not willing to part ways with assets, uh, draft picks, players, uh, to try mm-hmm. and acquire right. assets. So things change. So uh, that's one of the big factors. I don't really believe that it's um, so much so uh, the playbook and having to learn a playbook. Because speaking as a defensive player, uh, yeah, there's a lot of schemes and stuff on the defensive side of the ball. But at the end of the day, it's see ball, get ball. Offensively, it's a little different. Yeah, you need to get more in touch and in tune with the playbook. There's a little more um, uh, areas where guys need to be in sync you know, the offensive line, the receivers mm-hmm. with the route combinations, etc. So it does take a little more time on offense. But at the end of the day, this is professional football. Uh, the playbook, it's not rocket science. And if you're in the NFL, typically uh, you know how to read a playbook. You know how to study a playbook or else you uh, chances are you probably don't make it that far. Uh, unless you are uh, Jamarcus Russell, <laughs> who, <laughs> who's notorious for uh, not reading his playbook or studying film. But no, it, that, I don't think it's so much so the guys not knowing the playbooks, et cetera, why they're not getting traded. I think that with the season the way it is, with the deadline where it is, uh, teams are still in it and teams still have a fight, uh, or sorry, still have a dog in the fight, and they're just not willing to part with assets. Well said, and I think my mic is working now. Might have been just a button that was stuck here, Duke. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, some of the actual technical stuff is mm-hmm. beyond me. The light was on. That normally tells me that the mic is good to go, but your levels are reading out now, so I think you're good. But the texters uh, will, of course, let us know if they can't hear you. Now, so. the funny part of all of this was I had to move over, and I mean, I know our listeners can't see it, but I had to move over, I don't know, like five feet to get to the next mic. By the time I came back, there were 10 texts that came in. Your mic is off. Your mic is off. I think that's just hilarious. I think it's so cool that people are just honest like that. They're, they're tuned in, man. Yeah. Love it. So Trader, uh, sorry, uh, not Trader Vic. He could be Coach Trader Vic. Vic. Coach Vic. Do you think it's Coach Vic from Red Deer? Is that who's yeah, that's, that's who I think it is. Coach Vic oh, from Red Deer. Oh, yeah. Oh, because then we're going to be on him pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. That's who I think it is. So he hasn't sent in a text. He's probably busy this weekend with, well, it's high school football yeah. coming up. Big yeah. day at high school football as well. It's a massive day when you think about it. Golden Bears, we touched on it, and Speck touched on it again. To have a home game, I went last week, and mm-hmm. you were we were going to go, and then you got busy in the yeah. afternoon. It was cold that day. I what went was with, the turnout like? I thought it was, I, I'll be honest, I thought it was poor. Mm. I, I hope tomorrow at 5 o'clock is good. That's why I, we were talking about earlier in the week with the Duke. I was hoping it would be a 2 o'clock game or something like that. I understand what you have to do and schedule and things like that. And even to have the Golden Bears hockey team play at 7, too, because a lot of people want to go to that. There's basketball as well. I mean, all of U of S is here. Yeah, The whole province. All their teams. All the teams are here. Basketball, hockey, football. Imagine the buses that are just flying in. Who's lining all that up? Oh, man. And just the scheduling, uh, just the itinerary and everything for the teams and where they're staying and how they're eating. It's a lot. A lot. Um, when I watched the game, I went to the game with Grant Jongajin, a buddy of mine who's a high school football coach, was drafted by the Eskimos, uh, played at the U of A. It was good to sit and watch, and he's a defensive guy. <coughs> Excuse me. So it was good to sit with him 
watching what UBC was running against the Bears. Three plays in, he just looked at me and he said, watch number 82 for UBC. All they do is run the offense right behind this guy. Wherever he lines up, that's where the play's going. Really? In the first half. The Bears didn't find a way to stop that. Whether it be a pass, whether 82 was blocking, I can't remember his name, Robinson, Robertson, but he was a big, kind of a big tight end. He never caught one ball, but he blocked everywhere where he blocked. That's where the play was running, Mm -hmm. and the Bears didn't figure it out in the first half. Mm. They might have done it in the second half where maybe uh, Blake Neal, head coach at UBC, changed some stuff, but the Bears' defense didn't figure that out to go to that point of attack. How do you figure that out? Can you see that quickly as a coach, as a player? Where do you where does that come from where I'm sitting in the stands with a guy that coaches and played, but he sees that I can't see that in football. I can see it in hockey. I can't see that in, in football. See, and I'm the opposite. I can't see it in hockey. Right. And I can see it in football. It's it's there's that awareness. It's what you know. It's what you've uh, been accustomed to doing for so long. You know, you just see. I've seen so many thousands of plays, and you see tendencies of teams and whatnot. So you can really kind of pick out little things. When I'm watching football games, mm-hmm. it, again, it's very easy for me because I've watched literally tens of thousands of football plays. Uh, whereas, like when I'm watching hockey, and I'm I'm having to go back on the PVR and rewind it to see how plays are unfolding. But uh, I'll be with family members, and man, they're sitting on the couch just calling it out. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, how do you have an eye for that? But it's what you know, right? And if you, you do things for thousands of reps or study something for thousands of hours, um, you should be able to see things fairly quickly. Was it quick enough in that game? And how do you make adjustments to Saskatchewan? Obviously, they're mm-hmm. bringing a different offense, different play philosophy. My other question to you, Eddie, would be, the Bears beat Saskatchewan twice already this year, both close games. The last one was a last-second field goal by Giustini to win it 23-20. It's tough to beat a team three times in a row. It is, but it's doable. Very uh, doable. Because you do have that confidence of beating them twice. I guess I didn't really totally answer your question to uh, the first question. I gave you my opinion, but uh, a coach needs to be responsible to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, that is on the coaching staff to see. And the thing about football, on the defensive side, at least, there is usually about three or four staffers. So you would like to think one of them would be able to come up with some of those keys and have their head in the game um, beyond just their positional group that they coach, just to be watching the overall scheme uh, of the defense and what the offense, how they're trying to attack you. You would like to think that these coaches would be able to to figure that out and nip that in the bud, especially if you're continuously following behind one horse that the offense is running behind. Weather tomorrow for Footfield, mainly cloudy, a high of eight. Fabulous. Beautiful. Fabulous weather for a November football game. I would imagine by kickoff, that's going to be the high. You know, four or five o'clock is the high. Partly cloudy, mainly cloudy. Wind always a big factor at Footfield because it swirls in there. And you look yeah. at the, you look at the, uh, right on the goalpost, you see the flags moving. And then they got the other flags above where the alumni room is. It it can move around it's in there. Notorious. I was I was so impressed with Giostini's kicks last week because it was windy. Uh, probably in the second quarter, we went to hide behind the wind in that where the uh, broadcasts are done. So we hid behind there. It was a little out of there. I hate to say it, 
sniveled into the alumni room. I invited the Duke to come to the game, get his licks into the alumni room. Never made it. Very unfortunate. <laughs> That's not true at all, Kevin. You told me that if I came, I'd have to sit out in the bleachers like a total pigeon with people in the student section, kids uh, 10 years my junior. But uh, but I will be there this Saturday. I've made made arrangements, and then we got some text yesterday during Fantasy Frenzy about some details for the tailgate and stuff. So I think I'm going to – and they said the Pilsners will be there and be cold. So I think I'm going to cruise gonna on down a little Are you going to make it? Like- uh, barring some – tragedy of an event uh, in my commute back and forth from Red Deer tonight and tomorrow morning. I will be at Footfield by, I'm thinking, 3.30, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Tailgate, kickoff 5, and then uh, scoot my way on up uh, for the Bears uh, hockey game as well. I don't see any, like, you're in Red Deer tonight. Correct. This is an all-out blowout at CFR. I don't know about that. So oh. I like to keep things on the rails. Whatever. Duke, you got to be up before noon for all this to take place tomorrow. Yeah, the get. this is the one thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> I am not skilled at many things in life. I'm notorious for it. But one thing that I had to do growing up uh, on the farm, dairy farm, milking cows, like the cows got to get milk no matter what. Mm. So no matter how you're feeling in the AM, even if you're dragging ass a little got bit, to. you still got to get out there and make it happen. That has... Um, not been as prevalent uh, in my later years here because the hangovers just get worse and I'm not at the farm milking cows anymore. But I still have that. I got that dog in me, Eddie. Respect. I got it. So uh, I'll be there. I hope to see you, Kev. I'll be there. <laughs> well, I'll see you there. I still got to see it. I have to see it to believe it because that is a, you know, CFR can get, that's a lot of fun. Can get away from you. Well, so there's the dance tonight. What, who's playing at that one you're going to? Oh, I can't remember exactly. Blair, Blair, someone, and it's like called the CFR All Star Band. Uh, uh, I, we were getting text about it yesterday that they are as good as it gets, and I, I just love live music pretty much regardless of who's playing or whatever. So, Quentin Blair Quentin live, Blair. Quentin Blair live with the CFR All Star Band starts at eight thirty. So tonight, uh, six to eight is the third performance presented by ATB Canadian Finals Rodeo. Of course, the CFR is coming back here next year. Buckle presentations at 9.30. Quinton Blair live at 10.30. Last call at 1 o'clock. Parkland and Prairie Pavilions. It'll be tough for me to hang. If their band's not going on until 10.30, I might have already left by then. I got to get all my... lie like a Got to get all my, my hours of sleep in are you for sleeping my in, big Saturday. Are you in the back of the truck like you just taking a oh, nap Oh, Lord, sack? no. No, I've got uh, enough contacts in Red Deer that I can, uh, you know, bum a couch for a night. I don't know about this. This has got bad news. And then, you know what, Eddie? Extra hour of sleep for the Duke. Mm, Which I reversed yesterday and was rained on by our listeners. Rained on. Carries its fall back, you dummy. So I'm not sure if the Duke is going to be at 75% Monday. I'm going to give him 75. 75? Uh, Is that the line? I will take the under. Okay. I had set the line pretty high on that. I'm going to be rolling in here Monday morning, 110%, <laughs> probably fresh off a good Tropics win on Sunday night uh, at the Drake as well. Great uh, day of football on Sunday to rest and recuperate. Hit a couple parlays. You were close yesterday, oh, Duke. Eddie, that, oh. is, that is just my whole life. That's heartbreaking, is, man. I'm, I'm a loser. It's what I do best. Tell, so, tell them, yeah, tell them how close. What happened? Well, this is, uh, I didn't tweet this one out. I don't use, I only tweet them out after I lose because that, uh, you know, helps poke fun at myself. But I, I always like to have a few, a little action on the, the games and particularly Thursday night when I'm at the Canadian Brew House. 
Um, great sponsor, the Fantasy Frenzy. So uh, it was uh, eight leg. None of them were particularly high uh, leverage bets, but eight legs. And it all came down to missing the alternate over that I set at, uh, which was 36 and a half. Final score of the game, of course, 20 to 16. Totals in 36. So one point off of, uh, you know, hitting a tw- I think it was plus 1200. Mm. And I got a little bit of a boost on it as well uh, when setting it. So the payout would have been nice. But and the Titans lost, which I had them on the money line. I thought that was a, a lock. But Will Levis looked much more like a rookie quarterback last night than he did in his uh, first start last Sunday. Didn't we discuss that mm. yesterday? Oh, yeah. Four TDs in game one, game but you got to go on the road. You play in Pittsburgh, tougher defense. Pittsburgh, notoriously loud building. It's not Heinz Field anymore, right? Akrasher Stadium, I think it's called now. But it's it's still Heinz Field. Like, that's just what it is. Stats are so funny how you can manipulate them because I saw someone put out something about Will Levis. Uh, first quarterback in his first two starts to throw for over 504 touchdowns. But he threw for four touchdowns and 300 in his first start mm-hmm. and had a, a pedestrian game yesterday. It's so funny how you can skew the stats to be the first to ever do this. It's pretty pretty interesting. All the texts coming into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Thanks for your help and comments uh, for the mic problem that we had. HVAC Nick, uh, we can't hear Kevin. We can hear Eddie, no problem. Something's wrong with Kevin. We can hear Kevin now. Good job. Uh, fifth line center. That's better. Uh, Mike is off. Hacksaw. Curious K's Mike is off. Now the best one of all from Steve from Drumheller. Unfortunately, we can hear him again. <laughs> oh, well played, Steve. Yeah. Uh, he has a, he has a smiley face. Uh, uh, you know. I, I love how you take it, yeah. Kevin. You well, got to be able to. Hey, man, man bring it on, yes, bring it sir. on. Yes, sir, big boy. And again, we can always, as Laddie Schmid says on Thursdays, right? You know, come over to the Nisku rink, and we'll, you know, we have the ice. We'll see what happens, right? You know? <laughs> I'd take him up on that. Yeah. You know, we had Kenny Lacoustian yesterday. Man, I was listening. And Laddie just loved it. Because, you know, Laddie was a tough defenseman, you yep. know, and, and Kenny started telling all those stories. And you should have seen the look Laddie's face every time Ken would talk about, you know, George Foreman or... And then Mike Tyson, oh, like it, laddies going bananas. So I love good. how Kenny talked about uh, just the money and the money fights. You could have a 30-0 and record, but you got 25K to show for it. The one thing, too... And again, wish we were sort of, you could see it in the studio in the sense that, and we do see a lot of things that we put on social media and, and YouTube and things like that. But when, when Ken would describe, and all boxers do it, and Ken would tell a story and then he'll go, and then like Laddie would kind of wake up in his chair and I'd wake up in the chair. But that's how boxers talk, right? They always, they use that, you know. With their hands, with their hands. What's on tap for you this weekend, Ed? Well, you know, I'm actually, if you're listening, I'm going to come on over, Bonton. I'm going to come over to Bonton pick up a couple of treats and then going to be solo dadding tomorrow i'm actually contemplating um the mission of bringing both kids six and four to the bears game actually Ooh, be so good. yeah yeah uh, and i believe we've got bonton bakery aboard for the eddie Steele show that's what we're going to start next weekend <laughs> it wasn't that a neat kind that's of cool. angle with, it's cool you know, eddie's proposal to stephanie and bonton bakery and now look at that bonton will be the sponsor of the Eddie Steele Show with Kevin Carius on Fridays. Well, you know what, Kevin? People do still listen to AM radio. Yes, they do. Mm. Thank you very it's much, a testament. Eddie. It is a testament. Thanks. Uh, great stuff today again, Eddie. We'll see you. Well, we'll see you tomorrow, hopefully. Absolutely. Take care, Eddie. Now, we'll, now will we see the Duke? That's the key. Will there be? Will there be the three? The trifecta? The parlay? 
Who's betting on the triple will he parlay? Make the third leg. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will. I will cash that one in when I see you guys there, and I will regale you with tales of my night at the CFR. How's that? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Looking forward to it, Duke. I'm not sure. Do we have a liner for this? Because a bunch of stuff got mixed up when I went over to the microphone. I don't think we do. Do we? I do not believe so. Just, I just wanted to clarify that because, again, papers are everywhere when I went to the other side of the, the studio to get onto that other mic. So we will have at the top of the hour, we'll ch- talk a little CFR with Tim Ellis, CFR reporter for CFCW. That's coming up at 9 o'clock. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.